This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by Fan Expo Canada. Join Chasing Artwork and GMB Kamichak August 22nd to 25th for new books, at new prints. PR2. And new art at booth PR2. You should be there too. Attention, citizens. It's time for Super Pulp Science. Hello, this is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how a genre gets made. This is a very special aftermath episode. This is our San Diego Comic-Con cool-down episode. So um, we're recording a few days late as we have uh, dusted off the detritus of travel and 170,000 attendees. You recovered? Uh to be fair, I've stayed up till 2 a.m. the last two days because I was so excited with the ideas I had that I had to work <laughs> on them. So I finished a bunch of stuff that I had to do for, uh, like I had some mag- magazine illustrations mm-hmm. that I was doing for Canada's History Magazine, some ghosts. So I did all that stuff when I got back. Uh, and I could have gone to bed at a reasonable hour, but I opened the like notes and doodles I had made from San Diego of like stuff that was on my mind. And yes. No. Reason for this is you didn't have a table at San Diego. You were just helping, so you got to get yeah, washed was, over with all the art. art and things going on. But you couldn't participate in the way that you usually do. The joke we made was that I was briefcase guy. So my job at the show, Justin held down the fort with his booth, and I went around and met with publishers and toy manufacturers and game developers and. Um, increased the long tail of our comet to maximum efficiency cool. while we were there. Mm-hmm. So, Dan is also on the podcast. Hi, Dan. Uh, yeah, hi. I didn't go to San Diego. No. I was left behind, and then Greg was just sending me texts of cool Star Wars things and stuff that I couldn't see. I wanted to send back a snarky response, like, oh, nice to, nice humble brag. I was trying there. to share I know, with I know you. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Oh, my God. But I was, gonna, like, I was totally going to be like, whatever. I'm, we, uh... I'm, I'm watching Star Wars right now. <laughs> our friend James is also a huge... Dark Crystal fan, and I yes. sent. I was inside the activation, and so I was sending him video and stuff, and he basically responded by saying, "Like, I am both really happy you're sending me this, and so jealous that I think I need you to stop sending." <laughs> yeah, me Yeah, this. yeah, yeah. I, I get the feeling. We yeah. did discuss so. for next year with the uh, the booth that we have. It comes with some extra passes, and we didn't need any more help at the booth, but we thought we could offer to a couple of our friends if they wanted to come to san diego producers yeah uh for the pass and all we would ask of them is to grab us like lunch at some point kind of thing done yeah yeah Yeah, that's a deal the one thing that actually it sounds like man that seems like not very much work for so much access getting navigating that size of crowd that all has the basic human needs of food and bathrooms um is a challenge yeah for right? sure no I, I imagine it's going to be um it's going to be uh fun and challenging but uh tell me what happened what adventures did you get into at uh at comic-con oh there were a few but maybe for the dear listener who has never doesn't know anything about san diego comic-con we'll oh, give it just a who break. doesn't know anything about san diego comic-con don't shame people i don't <laughs> shame people but it's it's the biggest comic-con in the world pretty that, much right is that accurate yeah yeah um, what's different about San Diego that doesn't really happen at other shows, um, for one, most conventions 
the convention is inside the convention hall, and once you get outside of the convention, you're in a normal city around normal In the people. regular world. You're in the regular world. <laughs> yeah. even, the, New, even New York is like that, right? Yes. You said that, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Javits Center in New York, it's once the portal to Comic-Con is the Javits Center, and yeah. once you go in there, you're in Comic-Con, and once you go out, you're back in normal New York. Yeah. San Diego does not do that. San Diego, the Comic-Con stretches Ten blocks, blocks in every direction. In every direction. And thousands upon thousands of people go to San Diego Comic-Con without tickets because there is so much going on outside of the convention for them to check out. Yeah. They, they, they don't feel the need to get tickets to go actually inside the hall. So it's above plus, and beyond. Plus, it's very difficult to get tickets to go inside the hall. Because people... Saturday sold out, yeah. Yeah, and, it, but isn't it grandfathered? So if you bought a ticket last year, you can get you get first access to tickets for the next year or something I, like that? I actually have no idea. I, someone told me that once. That was I don't know if that's true or not, but... Like if you if you are a longtime attendee of like George R R Martin apparently has been going since the very first year right um, and he's he gets you know access obviously he gets access now but mm-hmm. even before he was famous he was he was getting access before anybody else before I knew he was famous I met him at San Diego College oh really ten oh, years ago oh, that's yeah. interesting have I not told this story on no. the podcast so the interesting thing about San Diego for me I was we were looking at the time capsule the last time I was at San Diego Comic Con. Here's the time marker. People were really interested that you became their friend on MySpace. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. how long ago. This 2008. Was, right? This was, a, this was the forever 2007, ago. 2008. That was yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, during that time, I was really excited to go and meet and talk to and hang out with Peter S. Beagle, who wrote The Last Unicorn. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I got to do that, and we spent a little bit of time together, and he was a very gracious, very humble man. Who, he's like, super nice. Yeah, he's just a wonderful guy. I'm very sad to hear of some, of the, some of the drama that has surrounded his life in the intervening years. But he says, Gregory, I'd like to introduce you to my friend George. And I look over at George R. R. Martin, but I don't know who he is. I've never read any of those books at those times. But those books were out at that time. They were huge. The the entire hall was filled with people, not to my knowledge, who were there to see George talk. Okay. But I didn't know who he was. He was like, I'd like to introduce my friend George. And I guess Peter is being gracious in like, well, you're probably actually here for George. I'll introduce you. But I didn't know any of that. I was there for Peter. Yeah. He says, this is my friend George. And I looked George R. R. Martin in the face and said, hi, George. What is it that you do? Yeah, and he t- the only that trademark hat in the beard and the whole thing, and he just gave me a big smile and he said, "You know what, Gregory? I'm a bit of a scribbler, <laughs> right? Not a not well, a. Whiff. Does that mean an artist or an author? It could mean both. Both, but yeah. you know, like." And yep. then I sit down in the crowd, and then he goes up, and it's like, we'd like to introduce, and like the entire hall goes insane. I'm like, oh, oh, I guess. He's <laughs> kind that, of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. Interesting. But what I appreciated the most about him all those years ago was he was already a big deal, and it wasn't affecting him in a way that when he met a new person who didn't hear about him, he wasn't like, oh, you don't know who I am. You don't right, hear from right. me. Right? Yeah. He's just a regular dude. Cool. So fast forward 10 years. Nobody is interested in their MySpace. Nah, unfortunately. Everyone is interested in your email address. Really? Oh, yeah. So that was... Yeah, no one is promoting their social media either. They want your email address. I was not aware of this last year, if it was a thing last year, but you as a... Every single person who was in the hall had their badge, and their badge has a little... uh, 
sensor thing in it. So when you scan in... It's like an RFID code. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So you scan in and the thing beeps so you know they know you have a valid badge. And then you go about the hall and there was tons of booths that had rented from the San Diego Comic-Con these badge scanners. So they would offer free things and all they... All you have to do is get your badge scanned by this booth. It gives you information. Yeah. That booth oh, okay. gets your email and so, if you're a guy or girl and your age. and Yeah, a- so you would hear these clarion calls like free, free lanyards echoing <laughs> through the hall. Free lanyards. Yeah. Woohoo. And then there'd be Where people. Where do I line up? So just, wait, just wait. So I, we are making fun of, we're okay. at our booth laughing because every... 10, 15 minutes for days, we hear this one woman and her spirit is slowly eroding because this is her job is to yell. So at the beginning, it's like free lanyards. And by the end, it was just free lanyards. (laughs) Uh, Four days later, every time. So I go over and the recording that you're going to hear, dear listener, I took in the wild, right? Um, uh, Dan will edited into the podcast so you can hear as we heard it in the wild. Every time this woman made this noise, hundreds of people would line up to get these free frickin' lanyards. Well, what were on the lanyards? They were just lanyards. Like branded with a, whatever company? Yeah, with company? somebody else's brand. Wow. And you already had a lanyard. It came with your pass. Right. But you could get a free one. People would line up and trade their personal information one beep at a time for, for this lanyard. free lanyard. And so they didn't believe me when I came back. I was like reporting from the front lines. Because right. we we're not a big fan of people who do the uh, the carnival calling or whatever. Yeah. That like stand outside the, the, the booth barker, and go like the, the barker. barker yeah. That's it. Yeah. Snake carnival oil barker. Yeah. 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 Come get your prince. We've yeah. got good prince. I don't. I don't. As, ah, as someone who cure attends, arthritis. <laughs> but it was wow. That's amazing. It was Sunday. The show had ended, and we've been kind of making fun of this lanyards lady the whole time because it you can't once you notice it you can't not and for five days. Every 10, 15 minutes, we've been hearing this woman. It's like if you're in and, New York and yeah. you're aware of car alarms, right? Now you can't hear anything right. but car alarms. Yeah. And like yeah. Greg had said, like sh- the excitement got lower and lower and lower until it was like just soul crushing, like bellow. Freelance. Um, so, just as kind of a joke, uh, me, my brother, and Gregory counted down from three and then screamed at the top of our lungs. Free lanyards. But like a <laughs> exuberant free yeah. lanyards, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. We wanted to bring the power back. And it was just kind of like a cheers to the end yeah, the, of the show. The hundreds yeah. of people line up for your... My God, People man. came out of the woodwork. <laughs> we had no idea. Oh, man. Maybe it's like So the, suddenly we're surrounded on three sides by people hungry is, for free is, lanyards. Is this where there's a free... We're like, we don't nope. have any lanyards. And the disappointment... Has, <laughs> So I frantically go under the booth and grab, I have little enamel pins with my logo on it. I start handing them buttons to make them go away. And then a second wave comes in. It was like an aftershock of people who had heard it, but were too far to find it right away. Came like, came dwindling in from other areas. So 
things that we can learn from this, dear listener, is if you have something <laughs> free to give at a very huge venue. Where everything costs money. Where everything like, costs I mean, that's, that's got to be what it is, right? You're so used to, you have to, you spend so much money on all the stuff. It's yeah. nice to be able to get a free thing. As free. A, even as a souvenir. Even and if it has. All it costs a, you is your personal information. <laughs> that's right. By Grabthar's hammer, by the sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. Now, this is, I can speak to this a little bit as somebody who has experience in marketing. Um, this is much more of a U.S. thing that I don't think that would fly in Canada. Canada has very strict laws against uh, solicitation of emails, and you have to get someone's express permission. Maybe that's maybe that that's already in there, like what they're agreeing to. But I don't think the states has that kind of law, as oh, far I as see. like as far as like spam emails. Right. Like you have to actually say yes, I want to receive emails. Right. right. But but that law does not apply in the states, which means that every time you sign up for something on an American website, you're opting you. in. Which um, uh, we've noticed, like doing conventions, oh, we are suddenly on our email has been sold to so many so convention many yeah. um, companies. I get we're a, constantly I get a tiny getting, bit of that. Yeah. yeah. At, it's at only going to grow. Yeah. 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 It, it's tough, and it's uh, in my opinion not an effective way to market anything yeah because uh, people just are so used to clicking and spam like spam nope don't want yeah. that i mean if they if they actually i think canada's law is better because if you're actually making the decision to opt in that yeah. means you want to receive want the to, information yeah. and then you're more likely to actually read the email yeah. as opposed to like oh you just tap your badge and then forget about it and yeah. then a couple months later you get this email like whatever junk yeah. Yeah. So that's not very effective in my opinion. And yeah. I mean, those are those but are. But if they collect a thousand or two thousand of them, that's like a day. Well, it's need. worth something to somebody, right? Yeah. So yeah, no, it's it's about building a database of yeah. customers, Ooh, and I don't like that idea. So as, there, as Facebook gets fined five billion dollars yesterday, uh, I didn't hear this. Oh you know, yeah, yeah, no, they got fined five billion dollars by the U.S. for um, the practices regarding privacy and everything, and they've been fined in the United. Uh, Interesting well. that they don't have to change their behavior; they just have to pay money. No, they, they do, do have, have to change. They do have to change their behavior. Oh. But uh, change your behavior. <laughs> so behavior. So in the hall, different from other shows, also because there's so much exclusive, hard to find uh, stuff at the San Diego Comic-Con. So much, so many of the booths produce things just for that show. San Diego kind of was the front runner of the exclusive thing. You can only get this toy or this art print or this thing at San Diego Comic-Con right. and it's days. not available anywhere else. So there's all this security in the hall and their job, the first like 20 minutes, is simply to yell at people. Free lanyards. No, oh. no running, oh. no running. No, no running, free running. lanyards. Yeah, no running. Someone's yelling free lanyards, which triggers the run response. <laughs> then the, then no the security, running. no running. They're not allowed to run. As soon as they're around the corner from any authority figure, as soon as they're past they are the door. running. And then okay. they hit another pocket of security, and they walk super fast, and then they're running. And it's just like this fervor. Every morning we got to watch the race to yeah. and there was whatever a, exclusive. There was a specific person who had a race, wasn't there? So, this is one of my favorite stories from Comic-Con. On Wednesday, um, I was there by myself. Uh, Gregory was coming later in the day. My brother, who uh, also, also helped out with the show, he was coming Thursday morning. Um, so, I got to do setup and the first couple hours of the show by myself. And Wednesday is preview night. It's not, a lot of people don't go to preview night. It's more of like a VIP or professional, like it's um, from 5.30 to 9 o'clock. And like uh, other only shows, the- Other shows do like two hour VIP entrance, right? Yeah. Comic-Con San Diego does a whole day okay. of VIP. Okay. So right. only like the really hardcore attendees are there for Wednesday. Yeah. And the only thing they're really interested in is the exclusives. They're not so much going for the, uh, they're not there for normal stuff. They're there for those, you know, only 100 available of this and that and the other. Right. So, 
I've been to Comic-Con before. I, I kind of know how it works. As soon as the floor opens, people are going to be sprinting to whatever place they've got circled on the map for that exclusive the whatever stakes it is. are high. The stakes are high. So I'm sitting at my booth, and I see the first couple athletic nerds run by. <laughs> Never have you seen nerds run so quickly. <laughs> uh, and then shortly after, another wave comes. And then I hear around the corner... Slow down, Daniel. <laughs> and this, I'm going to put this very politely, this um, husky man is pushing his elderly mother in a wheelchair. I don't think this guy runs too, too often, but he was all out sprinting as fast as he can while pushing his mother in a wheelchair to get to this exclusive. And the mom was so... Afraid of it was a mass at times acceleration moment in velocity here. And as they like left my view once again, slow down, Daniel. <laughs> and off into the sunset they went. I really hope Daniel got his Whatever exclusive. Whatever it is. So shout out to Daniel who job, risked Daniel. his own safety. <laughs> and his mother's I hope his mom's okay. Um, I just hope it wasn't for a Funko Pop. That's I, I was just going to say, like, it's got to be a Funko. Yeah, I yeah. hope it was for something else. <laughs> but so then this... Slow down, Daniel became our clarion call for any time. I don't even know we if his name rushing. was Daniel. I just that's what my memory is okay. come up with now. So that became our call throughout the show when we were in a rush somewhere or like hurrying up. It was slow down, Daniel. <laughs> um, so between the slow down, Daniels and the uh, and the free lanyards, uh, we had a whole vocabulary of weird things that happened at the show. But what was interesting about it? For me, like a very, I'm used to working the show all day, and then I try to eat a whole big wave of healthy snacks the last couple of hours, and then have a coffee, I, so that the evening, which normally people go to rest, there's, that's when you have to network. That's yeah. when you have to meet yeah. with publishers. That's when you have to like, you know, there's some friends you have. It's like weddings and funerals and comic cons that you'll only see at those times. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to spend time together. You got to suck it up, be tired, and go out late, right? I had no drive to do that at this show because we were doing all that network. I had, a, as briefcase guy, I was able to meet all those people that I wanted to meet. I was able to hang out a little bit with all those people who are our friends who are at the shows. And when the show ended, different than others, we just walked around a little bit in the craziness and then Ubered home and had a giant meal. Hmm. And it was so... It was a much more relaxed show. I was more rested at San Diego Comic-Con, it sounds weird, than I have been at a show in five years. You, you guys didn't take in any of the evening festivities? I went mm. to the Poppy concert. Z2 brought okay. in uh, Poppy to promote her new book that they're doing with her. Yeah. Um, and announce uh, another project. And I think they also had... Um, I forget who else they had there. But the point is... I went out one night to this concert, but not really to go to the concert, but just because everyone who was involved in the concert were people that I quite enjoy. So uh. I hung out with them uh, and watched this really cool sort of side event. Again, again this was outside of the yeah. convention center. They organized it at a music venue outside, um, controlled it themselves, and got to benefit from that crowd. I saw Sam, who was also there, um, went to the Adventure Zone. Adventure Zone, yeah, so I was a little some, jealous. Yeah, 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 I'm like, oh man, I totally would have gone to see that. That would have yeah. been awesome. And there are a number of different podcasts that record live episodes of San Diego. Yeah. And again, I don't know if they're even involved in the actual con themselves. They just know there's going to be a ton of people. 
Well, there. for a while, I don't know if they did it this year. I didn't check because I, I knew I wouldn't have time to go. Uh, but there was this trickster story like Ben Templesmith and Scott Morris and a whole bunch of other guys who are um, uh, have like a lot of indie cred, let's put it that way, or a yeah. lot of indie gravity, made their own show in an art gallery just up the street from Comic-Con that they did for a couple of years. Hmm. Um, so that if you didn't want to go for giant movie video game properties, you could go for independent comics at this other spot. I think we all remember what happened at Beast on Enoch 7, right? The other thing San Diego's known for, and I guess you guys don't get to experience this, are the giant announcements from the various studios. Oh, we experienced that. Oh, you did? Yeah, you I did? got to float around. I didn't do any Hall H stuff because you have to basically like, like 36 chop your hours. way through with a machete. Yeah. Are, are they there? still like doing the lineup thing? Because I thought they got rid of that. The, no, they do. They do the lineup, yeah. 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 People wait there. Celebration, yeah. Celebration introduced kind of a wristband system. They have a wristband system, but no. Okay, so what I noticed was that even though there was a wristband system, the crowd didn't trust the that the powers that be would protect them from people who wanted to cut the line anyway. Okay. And so even though people had wristbands, these huge mobs of people with wristbands would just lurk around the... They'd be like, you can't line up here. And so everyone would just stand nearby the place you weren't supposed to line up. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. Um, so they haven't quite... I think Couple after a few years. years of trusting yeah. it, just like... Um, remember when movie theaters was rush seating or... And many of them now, they still your are. ticket is assigned. Yeah, most right? uh, most of the bigger ones, they're, they're assigned seats. Yeah. So I think that's so a better So you don't system. have to rush to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Same kind of thing. Eventually, people will trust it. But they announced seven Marvel movies and four sequels. And, and an animated series an that I'm very excited series, about. Yeah. What oh, if, what if? You predicted this. I did, I did predict yeah. it. <laughs> you I did. just happened to mention it on the last podcast, and therefore, Dear listeners, it came true. Dear listeners, Prophet Dan... <laughs> Was saying like, oh, the movie series they should make, the thing they should do is the What If series. And they're doing it. And I was like, they could never. It would be cool, but they could never. Well, they could never do it. And then they announced But it's an animated, which makes sense. Total sense. I really hope, yeah, I think it's going to be the same format as Love, Death, and Robots. Like different animation studios and different styles, all short stories. I think that... On, That'll be on, the, on the streaming service, of course, the Disney Plus streaming service, yeah, right. which is where it's going to be. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it sounds good. And there's a ton of stuff. Actually, after we're done recording this podcast, I'm going to go record another podcast for Media Nerds where we're going to talk all about specifically all the trailers and everything that oh were dropped. So, so, many good ones. so go to podcast.com for that. I'm actually, okay, so originally uh, they announced the Jane Foster Thor yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which people who don't know the actual storyline that they're going to reference. It's potentially going to be the saddest moment in the Marvel. I don't even know universe. the story. I just know that there was a female Thor. So how Jane Foster ends up becoming Thor in the comics is that she has cancer. Oh no! And Thor gives her Mjolnir as a way of saving her life by taking on the power of the hammer. Right? It forestalls her inevitable. Oh. Right. But is if she ever gives it up? That's right. She can't give it up then. Oh, oh right. Interesting. But now Storm Thor has Stormbreaker. Right, right. So, in, in that in that yeah. continuity. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I found it interesting. It was because um, when that was announced, I was working at the newsroom, CGOB newsroom, would have been working a lot this summer. And my coworker Clay Young, who I think I mentioned before, who's a big fan, he loves. Uh, I got to get you guys in the same room because he's a big fan of a lot of the same things as you. He loves the thing oh. specifically. Mm-hmm. He talks about that a lot. And he he's like looking at the feed, and we had a huge pack of like all these stories come down from San Diego. And he goes, "A female Thor," because he didn't know the comic book right. did it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, it's it's done in the comic book. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome." He's like, yeah. oh, "I don't know," but he's not. It's not like he's sexist or anything like that. Right. He just didn't like the idea of messing with the traditional Thor. Right. But they did it in the comic but book. Thor so. is. You know, 
they need to make a new Thor movie because Thor is a Guardians of the Galaxy character now. We also experienced our first, uh, what would you call it? Like sexual harassment. Well, I think That's it's strong. like authentic sexual harassment at the booth. What? Yeah, there was a, there was a, um, there was a, there was a woman who came to the booth and was like interested in purchasing things and then kept making lewd remarks about Justin or myself and uh, ways in which that she could negotiate better prices and like all oh, this boy. Kind of, And it was very, like at first it was sort of funny because she's dressed as Harley Quinn. But then the like funny Harley Quinn voice disappeared and it was, she was just being creepy. Okay. So creepy Harley Quinn, no shout out to creepy Harley Quinn. <laughs> uh, but it was also that thing. So at first you thought it was part of the character she was playing? Yeah, yeah. maybe. We were like excusing it because maybe. Okay. Right? But then because she kept being more and more interested in like, well, maybe I'm interested in buying this. Maybe I'm interested in buying this. It became the wedge of because I'm your customer, like the power imbalance of like I'm your, the server and she's the customer and I'm supposed to be polite to her no matter what she says started to kick in. Yeah. Uh, until I was just like, I am uncomfortable with the things you are saying. Right. And she was like, oh, I'm just joking or whatever. And then like every conversation I've ever had with a woman who is like, you don't know what it's like, suddenly like came to the forefront. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I've been so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, San Diego and sexual harassment. <laughs> Go hand in hand now. That's tough. Well, Cosplay she must, she, does not mean consent yeah. the other way. Well, she, she must, uh, I mean, the reason she does it, she must get something out of it at other booths. She must have tried that and yeah. had it work or something. I guess, yeah, we repeat behavior that has effect. Yeah. Like she's looking to get a discount on something. Yeah, maybe, and, yeah. and, and, yeah, yeah. and um, anyway, whatever. I didn't like so, it. I didn't no. like it. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Absolutely. We had also, uh, Justin, was it on purpose or accidental, the booth design? It was on purpose. I have been, uh, so this was a different booth setup than I normally have. It was three tables in the shape of like a square. So I was against a wall. And so I had two side tables and one front table. And that's not how I normally set up. I normally have my stand behind me and I'm standing in front of it. Because I had this kind of cube, I built kind of this U shape with my banners, which created this blocked off, back room kind of behind the tables that we could like the back room go yeah. in and out of um my stands are big vertical banners so we could kind of slide between the banners and go into this back room which one it cleaned up the booth quite a bit like all you could see was my artwork you couldn't see anything past the tables it the was just my... of living for four days in a tiny space mm. was hidden mm -hmm. right yeah. which is like every other booth normally, fills up with... yeah normally you can kind of see what's going on behind the booth and it doesn't look as clean and cut is this but the great benefit to this which i think comes back to you being more rested at san diego oh, comic con yeah. than normal definitely is with three of us we'd have two kind of working the tables and one person in the back room doing the inventory so gregory and i would be out front slinging prints and we'd yell to the back james i need a this and a that and two of those and you'd pass it out through the slot ding ding order yeah. up order up order up well that was the joke but okay now before you think like well that doesn't sound like such a big deal Every square inch of this enormous space and every square inch of 10 blocks of the city is competing for your visual attention everywhere, just overwhelming. And the reverse side of the banners in Justin's booth are white. So you stepped into this 
white cube. They block noise really yeah. well, too. Oh, it cut we the noise down. It took all the visual information out. And there was you couldn't see any people. You were just there. You, it was like alone time. That you the sensory deprivation taking place. Yeah. Because you normally realize. when we take breaks, we just walk the floor, which is still like just visually overstimulating. But this was so much more relaxing, more so like to a degree, degree that we're not used to yeah. getting in the middle of a show. Yeah, it, cool. was, it was weirdly powering. So like yeah. pro tip for the dear listener at a super busy show, figure out a way to... Have a have a back room. Yeah, there's not a, too many shows where I can do the same setup, but uh, New York Comic Con, which is coming up, and also an incredibly busy show, I'm going to build the same thing just for like the mental, um, like release that you got out of it, and just yeah, it's difficult to describe how freeing it seemed in that little space. Mm. I must speak to you. It is a matter of supreme importance. We are Thermians from the Klaatu Nebula, and we need your help. In terms of size of the floor, how big is this space, like the main con floor? Like, can you compare it to another con you've been to, like something like Calgary or Vancouver or Toronto? Like, is it the similar size? Like, I've heard it's, it's big. It's, it's really big. It's the entire but... main floor, like the entire footprint of... The San Diego Comic, like all of the San Diego Comic or convention center. center convention center, pardon me, and two hotels on each side, yeah, are completely absorbed by uh, the show. Okay. The show floor is mass. Is it possible to kind of walk and see all of it in the maybe over the course of the weekend, but not certainly not in a day? I would maintain that you could not ever see it all. Really? Yeah. Okay. One human alive. Could like not, yeah, in speed walking, you can kind of glance at it all, but to actually stop at each take booth and talk, it in, talk to people, yeah. which people try to do. But. but there's an equal amount of show floor. Uh, the next level up is all the halls with all the gaming and the private stuff and the workshops and the and, panels. And if and you sit, panels. so yeah, you, you almost have to make a choice between sitting in line for panels all yeah. day, and or going to. Uh, Going to the show floor. Yeah, people I, plan for months and weeks ahead of the show. They know like hour to hour what their plan is. People would pull up spreadsheets constantly. Mm -hmm. Really? People would unfold these like documents they had made of where they should go and why they should do it and how they're going to do it. And some people had their budgets written in there too. Right? That's a good idea. Which yeah. made it so gratifying. The couple people who like had spreadsheets like that and came up to the booth and made comments like, I never buy artwork at San Diego Comic-Con, but yeah. I'm buying your stuff. Yeah, it was really That cool. happened a couple of times yeah. and it was, it was pretty great. There was, um, it was interesting from my perspective because it wasn't my work that was on display. I mean, we had some of the books there or whatever. We haven't worked together at a booth since like 2013, yeah. something like that. Mm. So being his like... Uh, Booth babe. Yeah, his booth babe. But being his, uh, his, uh, the term is acceptable when you're talking about Gregory. Yes. <laughs> absolutely it is. Not uh, when you're talking about the Lanyard's lady. That Lanyard's no. lady, that's different. Uh, but being like the hype man, right, where I didn't actually have to do any hype at all. People came... There's a house style in comics. And San Diego Comic-Con is very concentrated in that the main comic companies are all present. And so that house style of that... Jim Lee, Travis Sheree, uh, Todd McFarlane style of art is very prevalent. So the visual switch of the chasing artwork, shattered vector stuff, I saw people like have quasi-religious experiences. Like they're carrying all this house style art and they just stand 
and they're looking and they're just like, whoa. And then they one guy just dropped everything, got his phone on and he starts texting people. And then all these other friends of his start arriving and just looking up like, oh, <laughs> at the booth. And it's not that, you know, there is an art around. It's literally that this is the only kind of art like this on the whole show floor. Wow, okay. Right? And there are other people who had very distinct styles who I'm sure were having a similar yep. effect on other folks, right? Because people who are big into comics and came for comics and are used to the house style are suddenly like, wow, there are, there's more to art in comics than this one style. Exactly, And yeah. it was really cool to watch that happen. Um, we also did this great and powerful Oge trick a few times uh, when Justin was in the chill-out zone in the white room. Yeah. Uh, That's a good name for it. Right? People would... Uh, be like, is the artist here? And we'd be like, he's in the back right now. <laughs> One moment. One moment. Well, do you think he could sign this work? I'll check. And they wouldn't, they would just like shove the prints through the wall. I would sign them and shove them back. <laughs> so they don't know if it's you. No. It could be anybody. <laughs> yeah, it could be anybody back there. And I was like, well, you know, it's, he's had a, you know, he's had a very trying show and it's, it's a lot for an artist to take this kind of, you know, public appearance or whatever. <laughs> Justin's trying not to laugh out loud as I'm making this joke. And I'm making it as a joke, assuming that the crowd knows I'm joking. Right. Instead, they started peeking and looking in with this reverence, like, oh, my God, is the artist here? Is he in there? Will he sign my print? What's happening? And when we would push the flap, they would, like, try to <laughs> catch it. sitting there with a handful of life cereal and a banana, just <laughs> hissing. Oh, that's so, funny. you know, it was, uh, I, you know, as someone who is into the study of psychology, it was really interesting to watch crowd dynamics at their most powerful. Is uh, are, are proxies very common at San Diego? Not like I don't think so. You proxy at shows that San Diego is probably the most important show. Right. You so send it, your proxy to a lesser least, show. Yeah. yeah so, least so, likely to proxy. So it, so all the art any for anybody in Artist Alley, the artists were there. Yeah. Mm. Likely. So it, I'm just wondering why that why that was there. Why were they so surprised? Or I guess because he had. The back room? Yeah, he had a back room. And again, we've talked about this on the podcast. Comic-Con is the one place you can go and just meet the artist across the table. It's right. not a big deal. brings yeah. us to the Magnolia note. Oh, um, yeah. oh. But a lot of bigger artists are not at their table all the time. They'll have certain times. So they'll have a schedule up on their booth, and Ross Draws will be here for like these three hours to this day, those yeah. two. Uh, yeah. I think Ross is there like pretty much the whole time. He was another really big deal that yeah. I didn't get a chance to meet, but I'm a huge fan of yeah, Ross sad. Draws. I got to complete a perfect San Diego Comic-Con experience. Uh, ten years ago, the same as the uh, George R. R. Martin year, I took a different way into the convention center than I had been going. I just changed my path up. I went where the crowd wasn't. And went through the door, and there, setting up at the table, no line, nobody around, was Mike Mignola. You told the story of the right? podcast before. I've told the story yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. So I'm on a break. I'm like... I'm leaving the booth. I'm going to go do my briefcase thing. But I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? Just for nostalgia's sake, I'm going to walk the path. Because that just in my mind and in my like artistic heart is such a special moment. I'm going to walk that same route and just feel that. Because the convention center has not changed that much. Right. Even in that time. The layout anyway. Uh, so that's what I do. I walk that same route. I go outside. I come in the same door. And I come in through the door. And there at the table with no lineup is Mike Mignola. What? Again. How does he not have a lineup? Right? 
and it was because he the, was there at a time that he wasn't supposed to uh, be. Yeah, wasn't like three o'clock yet. And I guess it had either just ended or it was just whatever. He was getting ready to leave or whatever. So I'm like, oh well, this is cool because there he is, and you know, I just I think yeah. he's so great. And his wife and his kids. His ki- uh, I only saw one of his uh, one of his kids there. Um, are at the booth, and I'm just like I was. I stood for a moment. I was like, see that? That's what I want. I want that experience where he's comic book famous, but not overly famous. He's there and his kids and his wife seem to be having a good time with him at the show and I was like, you know, this is it. Yeah, they're making movies of your stuff and yeah, they're making cartoons and lunchboxes. But outside but of Comic-Con, probably not getting recognized. Yeah, yeah. and how yeah. wonderful that is to have found that space. Right. right. Anyway, so I walk up to the booth and I grab a sketchbook and I figure all I'll be able to do is, like he has these like little con exclusive books, all he'll be able to do is pay for it and I just mentioned, I was like, you know, this is like a, it's like a loop for me. I mentioned to uh, his wife, who is taking the money and doing all that stuff. And she goes, oh, that's such a nice story. You know, Mike, come in, come in here. This. So I told him a little bit of that story. And he was like, oh. And so he takes the thing, which they were all pre-signed, so he didn't have to be there. Mm-hmm. And he writes in it, you know, for Gregory. And he just makes it a, it just made this, it was like 10 minutes of my San Diego Comic-Con experience that just made this perfect loop. Because when I was there standing before, I had half of a black and white comic that I had drawn. That's right, right? yeah. And like, I had nothing. And I was standing with a person that I admired and believed that the trajectory of their career was the kind of thing I wanted. Then I'm standing at the booth with, you know, 16 graphic novels under my belt and, uh, you know, some film work and some TV work and some, you know, and I'm still feeling that the move he's made, that the trajectory didn't change. It was like, you know, uh, my son Leif, when I started telling stories, he says, is this one of those stories where you tell me you shouldn't meet your heroes? <laughs> wow. And I was Sometimes, like, yes. Yeah. And yeah. I said, no, this is one of those times where, you know, you're glad to admire it the right way. I understand completely that it's just a TV show. It's all real. Oh, my God. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Our uh, staying in San Diego is always like a bit of a challenge because the hotels get booked up so far in advance. No kidding. Unless you're Justin. So, well, last year, last year I found out I got in super last minute. Right. So rather than like, I didn't even try to find a hotel or B&B. I just asked friends like, can I crash with you? Because it's like two weeks before the show. Yeah. And the one friend was like, sure. (laughs) Question mark. And I'm like, okay, okay. Can I also bring like two other people with me because I'm going to need help? And he was like, that's okay, a little too cramped. Like, I don't know if we'll be able to make this work. So, a week and a half before San Diego Comic Con, I had to find a place to stay. Yes. And luckily, um, our great new friend, Philbert, I won't say his last name, um, puts his. Shout out to Philbert. Shout out to Philbert. Puts his Airbnb on right before Comic-Con because he, he wasn't sure if he wanted to do it or not. So we didn't have it listed until right before the show, just as I was going to look for a place to stay. And so it was a 10-minute drive from Comic-Con, and it worked out wonderfully. He's an awesome man. He just, yeah, he was so accommodating. And then we got along so well. Um, this year, he's no longer an Airbnb. He was just a friend renting us out the space. And the great thing that happened this year is we had some leftover stock at the show, which 
is not quite enough to do another show with, um, but I would have had to ship it home. It was probably too much to carry. We could have carried Paid it back, but- $200 it was, to carry a heavy bag back, yeah. you know? So he kept stock for us at San Diego. Like, that's you're probably going to book here next year, right? And yeah. they're like, we want to. He's I've like, already well, confirmed. Well. I've already given yeah. the dates. So we're yeah. staying with him again next year. Might as well year. just leave your oh, stuff yeah. here. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to Filbert. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. And it was like eight minutes away from the convention. We kept trying to give him a pass for the show, but he just wanted to walk around outside. He's one of those people who doesn't want to go in the show. He just wants to walk around see the, the madness. outside madness. What's the uh, parking situation like in oh, San Diego? God. No parking. In fact, on the passes, it says there's no parking. So you just Uber every, everywhere. Yeah, like okay. they basically say we are encouraging people not to try to bring their cars into downtown. There's no yeah. point. They yeah. closed down a good chunk of the streets downtown, yeah. and it's just... A street fest. There is yeah. some parking, and people who go very early can park. But, like, the stories I heard was, like, I drove here at 4 in the morning so I could park my car. Exhibitors oh, can yeah. park in the parkade. In the parkade, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And I've been in that parkade once last year with friends getting out, and it was, oh, God, I wanted to walk. I, I <laughs> bet. I know I bet. It was, yeah. It's just madness. Oh, uh, Jim Lee was there. Uh-huh. Of course he was. Right? And he was, as he often does, is he does these, like, Q&A panels where people can ask him Oh. questions and then he draws while, right? and while he's drawing he's doing, he's doing like a sketch like talking about his career and talking about how he draws and he does like a big painted like he was doing this and we saw it at the booth someone brought the original art that Jim Lee made at this thing thousands of people are there and this woman is holding it uh, actually no the guy was holding it there was two people and he's like I will buy you anything you want and I was like, this is a guy to keep around. She's like, well, I got him that. And she points to the Jim Lee original art, right? This amazing Batman like drawing. a killer Batman. Oh, it was yeah. so cool. Um, and I was like, well, how did you get that? And she's like, I had a metal straw in my purse. I was like, what? So the way Jim Lee gives away his artwork during these live drawings is he shouts out, who has X in their pocket or X in yeah, their like, purse? And one know. was, who has a metal straw? And whoever has a metal straw, the first one to get yeah. up there gets That's it. That's a neat so, idea. So yeah. he just randomizes. Like there's randomizes. No, yeah. so there's no but, uh, ticket system. There's no. Yeah. Fi- it's like one. They said that one of them was like, who has a receipt for whatever restaurant in their pocket? Oh, okay. Right. Who has a McDonald's huh. receipt? Yeah. yeah. Who has a metal straw? Yeah. And so people. What happens if more than one person has one? Uh, he's Jim Lee. He can just choose wave, one. Just choose. He chooses. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird because I don't. I still don't think of Jim Lee as a Batman artist. I still think of him as an X Men artist. Oh, uh, me as like Wildcats. That, that's that's oh Wildcats as well. Yes, but X Men. I remember that that series of X Men that that he kind of rebooted, and uh, I collected that for a while. And yeah, Wildcats was very good as well when he when he went over to Image. But um, yeah, it's a uh, that'd be a very very cool um, person to uh, to meet. Yeah, it'd be cool. It was. Uh, but what was neat about that is. That person, right, was a Jim Lee fan for the rest of their life. She didn't even know who he was. She was just there with her friend who was a big Jim Lee fan. Yeah, but I like the idea that uh, now people are going to show up at his panels with metal straws. And that won't be the thing, yes. <laughs> but, but that's a good thing because metal straws are good because they're reusable straws. And yeah. regular straws the are bad. The part I liked about this story was she, <laughs> she was like, you'll never make fun of me for my metal straw ever again. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's true. I was making fun of her for that metal straw, but never again. <laughs> um, we had a meeting with uh, Sideshow. Sideshow. Um, that was an interesting thing. And Some of it. Two, it was a two-tiered thing. The first tier was some artwork, and the second tier was 
possibly some toy figure things. So Ooh. I'm very excited to follow up with them. We had a great meeting with them. Yeah, was, she was great. What was yeah. her first name? Amy. Amy. Amy is whoever man. hired Amy Sideshow. You should give her a raise. She is. She was. If she's the face of your company, interacting, you yeah. couldn't have a better face. She was, I hope. I don't think I'll probably be dealing with her for the project, but I kind of wish I were. Yeah. She's great. Um, and what I mean by that, for the dear listeners, like, how do I have a name or what does he mean? What's that quality? She was super excited to represent Sideshow Collectibles. She was super knowledgeable about every question we asked, and not just in a, like, rote learning, but in a, have you seen this? Have you heard of this? Check this out. Here's an artist we think we might work with. She showed us some rival. She's pulled up some rival stuff. She's like, yeah. I know this isn't our stuff, but look at this guy's. We want to do stuff like that. Like, it was, yeah. it was so, she was so supercharged. As a person who was having just meetings all day, every day for five days, I don't know how she sustained that. And she knew about me and my stuff as yeah. well, which was nice. It wasn't just a generic meeting that she was having one after the other. She knew specifics about me. Yeah, she did had, some research into you. In yes. Like yeah. Oh, yeah, good, yeah. Good. yeah, she yeah. said that uh, she had asked, uh, they know they were going to do some headhunting at the show, so she had asked her assistants to go through the list of everyone who was at the show um, and they picked, what'd she say? They picked 50, and then she picked the five she most wanted to talk to, to give personal attention to. Hmm. So that was an interesting, uh, and that's one of those things, it sounds like a humble brag, but it's actually because you're at the shows, right? Right. That's when people are like, well, you know, I don't know about the expense related to this. Should I, should I risk this? Should I do this? You know, this long tail of the comment that we're talking about you know, is this, it's that if you're there in the arena, people can see what you're doing and then take notice of it. Um, there was a guy, uh, I would like to wholesale some of your art, oh, Justin. Man. I have three stores, I have huge locations and I would really, really like to buy your art in bulk. Justin looked him in the eye and just like tore his feelings in half. He just said, I didn't. He, he just said, not at this time. <laughs> and the guy was just like stunned. He couldn't. He wouldn't leave the booth. And he it looks had, like I just kicked his puppy or something. Like, <laughs> I think it's a reasonable. You don't want to have your art thing. sold in Walmart? What's wrong with you? But he was just. It felt like he was so used to people being so desperate for some recognition right. that yes. when Justin was like, "No, no, I'm fine. I've got my own things going on." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, just like aghast his mouth was <laughs> hanging open and he had no follow-up line he was so used to oh please oh here's my car right, or right. whatever and just was like not at this time thank you and then handed his uh thumbnail out to a different customer yeah, yeah, yeah. right like beyond the guy <laughs> uh thumbnail is uh the catalog it's um a double-sided sheet that we put in a plastic case that has yeah, everything right, available yeah. at the booth so we can hand those to people as other people are looking at the portfolios but I've had a couple of people, like businesses, come up and request to buy in bulk. And they're just, yeah, they're looking for discounted inventory that they can resell at a profit at their stores, which, you know, that's how business works. But I'm not interested in diluting my artwork by doing mass production, mass sign things to sell it yeah. in comic books. Like, I can imagine that what that guy is doing mostly is finding people who are like, oh my God, we overprinted so much stock for this show. If you'll take this from us, that's great, right? That's not really, Justin's got his inventory down to a pretty great science, so. But I'm I can really see that. really proud of my inventory. That time. kind of 
practice would hurt you going forward because next time we go back there whatever city he's in um if, especially if he's in multiple cities uh then that takes away the demand for your art because you're only the, your art is only available in one spot at the time <laughs> that time of year unless they of course order it online but at yeah. the same time not everything is available online right not you know it's you, true yeah you, you have st certain stuff that you only bring to cons and actually so. like i do have an online store it's uh, like chasing artwork society six and quite a few like people who can't see me at shows can get artwork there um something that i had happen a lot at this show that hasn't happened at other shows is people had bought my work on Society6, which is a, a third party, and then brought it to the show for me to sign because oh. I can't sign it when it's purchased through that third party. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, it's been an interesting thing to watch over the course of a few years, this idea of people at shows saying, do you have an online store? And Justin replies, yes, I do. It costs a little bit more, and there's no signature, though. Yeah. So you can pay less and have me sign it right here in front of you, or you can pay more. So right. the reason, no mostly the reason for that is um, those people are at San Diego, but they're originally from somewhere far away, and they don't want to travel home with artwork. Or right, no, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we understand it's, the needs. Yeah, but yeah. You will go out there. I won't. And nothing you say will make me. The show must go on. What are you going to do differently next year? Um, bring me. Well, we're going to yeah. bring Dan. Okay. <laughs> bring yeah. Dan. I was... Uh, we would have been able to collect so many great sound bites for the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, right? For sure. Yeah. So my first year in San Diego, like I said, was fairly rushed. And I felt... <laughs> I felt very unprepared. And, um, like, I just... I didn't feel quite ready for the show. And this year, I felt so much more... Like, I, I did, like, ten times better at everything. Because I just could... I was mentally and just everything was, was prepped and ready to go. So it was such an improvement over the first year. Um, for third year, I don't, there's not too many things I would fine tune. I was so happy with how everything went. Yeah, you were pretty chill when I arrived. I was expecting to find like some fires that needed or like, can you do this? Or like, I have a last minute thing to do. And I arrived and he's like, no, everything's done. All the fires happened the yeah. first year. The second year was smooth sailing. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what I would do differently is um so i when i went i uh you know i had business cards and i had stuff for our uh uh super bulb science that we were handing out um oh side note uh there was a small publisher there um who publishes role-playing games uh the name has slipped my uh my sieve of a memory right now but when i mentioned super bulb science she hits her editor and they're both like we listen to this show and i was like Hey. What, what are you talking about? This like you guys are doing what we hope to be doing, and that yeah, this would have been a great time for a shout out. I'll have to find the card. <laughs> uh, uh, but what was amazing was just this moment of like I'm inspired by the stuff on your table. We'd like to tell our listeners about it, and then they were oh, we listen to the show, right? This that you know we you never know who's listening, and thank you for listening. There you go. Sorry, I've forgotten your name. Um, <laughs> Uh, what was I getting at? Oh, what I would do differently is I would have uh, some set times where I could tell other people to meet me at the booth. There was like some stuff where there was back and forth and it's like, oh, I only have 10 minutes. When do you have, do you have a schedule at your table where you'll be there for sure? And I didn't have that down or figured out. So like, 
a thing I wasn't expecting in the networking on the show floor was somebody willing to come back and talk at a certain time if I could give them a certain time that I'd be there. But it was so, I was just going with the ebb and flow of things. So I would be a little more structured, like have like a certain time every day where I'm for sure at the booth helping or working so that I can say to people, well, from two to four, I'll be there for sure. You know, stop by and I'll show you some stuff. Mm. That's the thing oh, I would improve. More bags. We ran out of bags <laughs> on the Sunday and people were buying some pretty expensive prints. Um, I did foil prints this year and I really didn't want those to be rolled or damaged. So I ended up, we had sold out of so many <laughs> yeah, things right. that I started um, cutting out pages of my portfolio, like the sleeves of pages of my portfolio. I would like exacto them out and then tape that back up so it they was, could have begged prints. It was pretty, it seemed pretty hardcore, or at least as hardcore as Justin <laughs> gets at a show. Someone, he would say, do you have a bag that I can put this in or like a hard case? And they'd say no. He's like, no problem. And he'd take out his knife and he'd click it open and then he'd slice the page out of the portfolio and put the print <laughs> in. And he's like, here you go. It'll keep it safe. And people would just be like, whoa. <laughs> this guy's really serious about keeping his art safe. He came very close to having enough bags, but yeah, okay. close. Mm-hmm. Close, but no cigar. Uh, it was the 40th anniversary of Gundam. Yes, it was. So there was Gundam stuff everywhere. Uh, and a couple Gundam people yeah, came by. Came by. One of the animators from a, he didn't speak English, but he spoke enough English to assert to us that he works on the Gundams that Justin had some prints of, and he was really interested in getting some. So we figured helped him figure that out, and then we were so like caught up in the idea that he was an animator of it. I made, like, we got a picture with him, and he's not used to that, I think, like, mm-hmm. as an animator. We're like, well, we want to, you work on this? You help make this? We love you. Come mm-hmm. here, man. <laughs> um, so that was an interesting uh, interesting twist. It's just being close to the media source. Very different feel than New York Comic Con. So different. Uh, people are in meeting mode at San Diego Comic Con so much more. Like, they have that, LA vibe of like let's take a meeting let's do a lunch yeah let's, that's, that's right? you get all those big studios and all those big media properties in one space and that's what's going to happen yeah. for sure right yeah, yeah. Um, cool. whereas it is almost like a conference as well as a convention that's right? right yeah whereas New York is the publishers are like show me your work right now do you have something yeah right so there's a little bit of a different vibe I made uh, work to show people that I put on my Dropbox so what I did to show portfolios rather than carry stuff around I know better than to leave stuff there they have so much to carry uh, when I was having conversations with editors or publishers or whatever, I would say, I have a portfolio in my Dropbox. They would give me their email, and I would just share it with them right there. Yep. Nothing to carry, nothing to look at right now. They can either ignore it if they want. You know, It can be destination oblivion for them, yep. see our previous podcast, or they can look at it. But now I have not imposed, please carry this heavy stuff away right. because I'm so important. Yeah, exactly. Right? So that was really good. Uh, and I put a whole bunch of stuff on the free table again. This was a circle. Ten years ago, I went and took a whole bunch of my friend's work and put it on the free table at it's San Diego. It's on the floor up from the main floor. I didn't see it, but apparently there's just a massive table with giveaways and free yeah, and stuff that people can board. just, just hordes like, can come like and lanyards? rip apart. Like, no, not like lanyards. So this is something you have to, you have to check with. You, have, you submit it ahead of time to San Diego Comic-Con because they check to make sure it's not like religious propaganda is on the links or like whatever it is of all the free stuff. So posters and postcards and books and things like that. Uh, so the first year that I went to San Diego, I had arranged to put some of that stuff on that table uh, the, the approved way. 
This year, I had a bunch of my own books that I went up to the table and I uh, just like totally guerrilla style added my stuff to the pile just because I wanted, again, that like circle. Like last time I was here, I had nothing. This time I was here, I have something and I just wanted to leave it. And so it was interesting because when you put real books on the table next to a like a free QR code or something, right? People doesn't, it just vanishes. So yeah. Um, but I definitely broke the rules. I apologize. <laughs> so it doesn't jeopardize your chances yeah. of coming back next yeah, year. Yeah, if you uh, don't no. get in next year, then... You know. um, well, they can check my name. My name is... <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been Super Pulp Science. If you saw us at San Diego Comic-Con, and that's why you're listening to this, because we handed you the card. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much for listening. And thank you for an excellent show. We look forward to being back next year. Please join the fight and make comments. Three.